Listen up. I won't sugarcoat it. This is the longest cold flu and allergy season we've ever seen, but we're not alone. We've got Instacart. Sure, you may be a coughing snot faucet who just wants mommy, but you're not giving up! Not when cold medicine, fragrant herbal teas, and honey shaped like bears can be delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. Now let's go win the sick playoffs! Daddy, I just want my soup. Oh, sorry, Sport App says it'll be here in, in a few minutes. <laughs> Instacart for the win. 95.7 The Game presents... Warriors World Radio. Featuring the one and only Andy Liu. Grow up. Yeah, you, grow up. And Sam Esfandiari. So? Who are you? Why do I gotta talk to you? This is Warriors World Radio. On 95.7 The Game. I am so excited for today's show, Sam. So excited. Two hours of Warriors World Radio where we talk about how great the Niners defensive line is. Elite. Best in the NFL. You know, that was my main takeaway from the the game, too. Everyone's kind of looking at the offense, but I was like, they might have six pro bowlers on that defense. You remember when the Patriots were undefeated into, into that Super Bowl and, and they were 16 and what were they? 18 and 0? Yeah. And then the Giants literally only won because of that. De- well... Mario Manningham had a great catch, but that's what it reminded me of, Sam. I'm ready for the hyperbole. Like, I'm coming out here. I'm just, that, that's where we're at. This is a Super Bowl hey, I will level say, I don't, team. I don't know how good uh, <laughs> Cincinnati is, but hey, good teams beat up bad teams. And I don't, I don't know how good this Niners team is, but they look like a good team. Yeah, very surprising effort uh, by the Niners. But let's, let's, let's set the show. We've, we're going for two hours, six o'clock to eight o'clock. Uh, we've got three guests that are coming on. Uh, Kevin Jones uh, covers the Niners, Blue Wire Podcast CEO, ready to have him on. Uh, end of the hour, we've got Ethan Strauss, who's always fun to talk about the Warriors, uh, and some other teams that he's been covering on his uh, spare time. And then we've got Matt Kosky, uh, 7.30, to take us the rest of the way. All right, Sam, to talk about uh, the Niners and the Bengals to start, um, was this surprising to you? How just how dominant the Niners were because I think coming into the season we were on last week we were on with Bonte last week and basically we didn't think that the Niners were a playoff team. This is a playoff level game, a playoff level talented team at the very least. At the very least, it seems. Yeah, I mean, my perspective on it is it, I kind of started to lose faith in the off season over how good the defense might be and how good Kyle Shanahan is as a coach. Because for two years, we've heard about Shanahan being this you know genius play caller and one of the best offensive minds and haven't really seen it at all. And, you know, there's been a lot of circumstances. Losing your quarterback for a season, kind of a big deal. Not having a quarterback your first year, also a big deal. This was the first time where, you know, I kind of saw the Kyle Shanahan that, you know, we've kind of been sold as like the genius. Yeah, yeah. This is the uh the Kyle Shanahan that was supposed to be the Sean McVay before Sean McVay became Sean McVay. So he he was supposed to be the guy. He I think Garoppolo uh who had a you know pretty below average week one uh, was good today. Um I will say most of the first half, most of the throws he made most quarterbacks probably could make. Uh but he looked good. Uh, he looked good. He had a lot of timing throws that were a lot better. I think it'll take a full year probably to shake the rust off, at least in terms of being who he was uh, when they won five games in a row two years ago. But he's starting to become that player. I, I, you I heard Nick Mullins talk, Sam. Can you please? <laughs> what um, is that stuff? Well, what I was going to say with, with Jimmy, all you're really hoping for with him is that he just keeps getting better every week. He's off of a ACL tear. He didn't really play a lot before that. Anyway, so there's always going to be that rust factor. And just the simple fact that he looked a lot better than week one is encouraging. I will say, I mean, the first touchdown throw to to Goodwin, I mean, I don't think there was a guy more open <laughs> all weekend than that. These were this this game probably goes to Kyle Shanahan more than most games go to a coach. Yeah, I mean, Kyle Shanahan who has a lot to prove. Um he's got the name. He's the son of a Super Bowl coach, but he hasn't really done anything uh, that's proven that he could win Um, and that he's a good locker room coach, right? I think the Niners have had a lot of 
uh, stuff that have that has happened off the field in the last couple of years where I, I mean I don't trust the guy to figure out how to run a locker room. But so far this season, it's been so far so good. Right, and these are two away games too. These are not two games where they're kind of sitting at home, right? If you're the Patriots, then it's like, hey, yeah, you should win these games regardless of where you're at. But this is a team that was the, that had the number two pick, and they're going in on the East Coast. They're pretty much destroying two teams. Um, you know, they're not playoff teams, but uh, they're still two teams that have 10 a.m. starts. Um, so, so if you want to join the show. Uh, you can call in 888-957-9570, or you can text the Chilton Autobody text line 95795. Today, uh, for me, I, I kind of felt like this is the first time I've seen the Niners physically dominate a team since Harbaugh was a coach. Yeah, um, basically off of the fact that that running game is spectacular. Now, that offensive line was... Really something that you don't see really ever from the Niners team, mainly because they have no type of chemistry. They haven't played together. They don't have the talent. But I think that's a Kyle Shanahan thing. I think with Jim Harbaugh, they had talent. I'm over here, Sam. I'm looking at the box score. We're talking about Raheem Mostert, 13 carries for 83 yards, right? We're talking about Debo Samuel, who is a rookie player, right, with seven targets, five receptions. By the way. Yeah. By the way, Dante Pettis, where is he? I was high on Debo coming into the season, uh, but he—I mean—he might be their best receiver day one of his rookie year, which you know, generally you don't want that. It's not but, great, yeah. But it does speak to his talent. Um, they ran for 259 yards as a team, uh, so you have to credit the offensive line. It wasn't just Brita uh, or Mostert; it was everyone. They kind of got whatever they wanted. Everyone got to the second level. Um, and yeah, it was just firing in all cylinders. Use check, use check was great. Was a, is a great blocker. Uh, George Kittle is a great blocking tight end. You rarely ever see a tight end that is so good at catching that doubles as a blocker. They've got that. So I don't think it's the most talented offense. I mean, they still have Trent Taylor out. They still have Dante Pettis. I don't know where he is. Um, they still I don't have... really know what he is at this point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, he seems to be just kind of. Uh, yeah, it, it doesn't look like he's going to play much, at least in the first half of the season. But it does say something. They they put up 41 points, and Kittle was largely a decoy today. And Kittle's clearly their best offensive weapon. Yeah. Um, and what do you have? Three catches today. They threw it at him maybe four or five times total. He was largely a decoy. There was a couple times he was open. He didn't get the ball, but... Uh, they they did it through everyone else. Yeah, Tevin Coleman was out. He's out with a high ankle sprain, and they've got Jarrett McKinnon, who's going to be out for the year as well. So a lot of talent that's on the sidelines. It didn't seem to matter. So, I mean, kudos to Kyle Shanahan, who uh, really didn't see this coming. Uh, the, the, the Niners were, I think, coming into this game, Sam, just a couple points favorites, uh, if that. And so a very well, we, impressive. We might need to readjust on Cincinnati. <laughs> well, they did look good uh, against the Seattle Seahawks last week. Um, Seattle, who's two and zero, by the way. Although Seattle doesn't look very good either. Um, all right, so how about isn't, this? Isn't that Seattle every year? They start the year and it they look like they're going to drop off, and then by the end of the year, they're a solid team. Yeah, Pete Carroll. Something about Pete Carroll, by the way, who's the coach? I think it was his sixty eighth birthday today, or something like that. Look, look at the uh, every the time NFC I West. hear him and uh, on the NBA front, Mike D'Antoni. I'm always floored when I find out how old they are. I'm how like, old is Mike D'Antoni? Same age. Oh wow, really? Yeah, like you would never guess it, right? Wow. No, I had. I mean, I, I figured had no he idea. was around the same age as Kerr. Yeah, kind of in that range because he kind of comes across pretty young. Two of the most innovative coaches in their in their respective sports. That's wild. Um, I mean, you look at it, it's always interesting. You look at the NFC West. You got Cliff Kingsbury. You've got Sean McVay. You've got Kyle Shanahan, who are pretty much like, you know, the frat stars of the. Uh, of the division, and then you've got Pete Carroll, who's like the cool dad, uh, holding down the fort, who's probably the best coach out of all <laughs> Cool of them. dad is actually a very good way to describe him. <laughs> uh, all right, well, we got a few minutes before we get to break, Sam. How do we adjust the expectations for the Niners for the rest of the season? Because I'm starting to think that, you know, well, we haven't talked about this. I mean, because Joe Staley's out. It sounds like he has a broken fibula, and it looks like he's going to be out for at least, you know, six to eight weeks. Um but taking that to an, into account, what do we think about the rest of the season? Are they a playoff team? Um, well, they might should have just, they be? They might have just caught a break. I mean, Pittsburgh, in general, Pittsburgh is always a tough game. But um, Big Ben went down today. We don't know if Roethlisberger is going to play next week. If he doesn't play, that game goes from 
kind of a tough one, even if they are 0-2, to should be an automatic win, right? Yep. And yep. now you're talking about, if, if that's the case, now you're talking about a 3-0 and team, and you know the expectation shouldn't just be nine wins and beat the Vegas line. We should be talking playoffs by that point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they got Pittsburgh coming up. They got a bye. They got the Browns, right? So that the Browns didn't have a good week one. They're, they they're, like, they're talented, but yeah. they're not, I mean... They're not the New England Patriots. Well, they, they maybe look like the Niners of what the Niners looked like last year. You know, maybe if Jimmy G was healthy, a team that was really hyped, but maybe don't. They don't they're not maybe there one yet. year too early on the yeah. hype. Yeah. We'll, we'll see with them. I mean, they do have a lot of good players. I think they'll be better than that week one showing, but they, you know, they may not be that, uh, that vaunted, like, top tier team that was sold to us all summer. I think the Niners should make the playoffs. That that should be the expectation here because, you know, watching the couple games here, the Cardinals, I mean, Kyler Murray looks amazing, but they're not they're not a the Niners should win both games. Uh the Rams are fine, right? They're good. They're they're Rams better than are the still Niners. one of the best yeah. teams in the NFC. They're, they're going to be there. But I'm watching the Seattle Seahawks play and Russell Wilson got sacked 5 times in like the first half against uh the Steelers today and they again, are they do come across as beatable. Like I yep. think I Seattle will get better. They're too well coached. They have too many good players to be awful, but they do not look like a juggernaut or anything. And if you're looking at this this Niners defensive line, that's the key to this whole thing. That's everything. Kyle Shanahan, he should be able to scheme, you know, 20, 25 points a game. But I mean, Eric Armstead looks good. Solomon Thomas looks good. Like these guys. That are oh, now really. I don't know about Solomon Thomas. <laughs> he had a sack today. You're getting a little. <laughs> I'm getting a little too ahead excited. of yourself right now. <laughs> um, they now that they're playing kind of secondary roles. It's like when you watch the Warriors, right? Like if you have Clay Thompson as a number one scorer, maybe not the most efficient. But yeah. if you have Clay Thompson as your second or third guy, now he's he's an all star. Yeah. So that's kind of how it's working, I think, with guys like. Um, Armstead and Thomas, and and it makes, I mean, D Ford, and I don't think Bosa played much today, but D Ford and Buckner are making those guys look great. So, I mean, this is a team that should make the playoffs. I, I don't see any like, reason ta- why they should. Can we talk about Akella Witherspoon? Ooh, That's a, so, like, cut. I knew D Ford was good. We all knew uh, Buckner was great. We all kind of figured Bosa would be good immediately, even though he's kind of hurt right now. Fred Warner's good. Richard Sherman, proven. Uh, but Akella Witherspoon was not a guy I. I thought was due for a breakout year, but through the first two games, he's looked excellent. Yeah, Kella Witherspoon, by the way, who was... <clears throat> and that's on good. I mean, um, what was his name? John Ross, maybe not the, the greatest receiver, but Mike Evans on Tampa is yeah. an excellent receiver, and he, he I mean, he's as good as you're going to find outside of like the top two or three receivers. Well, I mean, they need him to be good too, right? Because Richard Sherman's he's not going to be good. He's not going to be great forever, and then the Niners really don't have any safeties, so they need a Kello to be good. And he's only in his third year. Um, kind of reminds me, kind of reminds me of maybe what Dante Pettis should be doing. He's a little soft last year, um, but uh, we'll see. The Niners should be very good. Um, we'll talk more about Niners. We we have Kevin Jones on after the break from Blue Wire Podcast. So um, you're listening to Warriors World Niners World Radio. Talk <laughs> after the break. Warriors World Radio continues on 95.7 The Game. Here's Andy Liu and Sam Esfandiari. From the 415, Warriors World Niners edition is the way to say it. Enjoying the show from Vic and Alamo. Keep sending those texts. That's all I want to read for the rest of the show. I can just read compliments for, you know, two straight hours. I'm okay with it, Sam. It's what they put me on the radio for. I'm I'm very aware you're you're comfortable with talking yourself up, <laughs> as are most people. I'd hope. All right, um, it's Warriors World Radio. Andy Liu, Sam Fendiari. We are on until 8 p.m. First hour, we are going Pure Niners. Second hour, we are going Warriors. We have on Kevin Jones, Blue Wire Podcast CEO. Used to cover the Niners. Actually, still covers the Niners. KJ, how you doing? Fellas, great to be on your radio program. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. I can still cover the team, just like you guys, mostly from home, still make the big impact, and that's kind of why we started Blue Live. Yeah, hey, talk, uh, give us a little background on uh, yeah why you started that, what it is, what it's all about, um, and where we can find the uh, all the podcasts and website. No, yeah, so I moved to the Bay Area in 2016, worked for KMBR when I, was, when I first moved out here, covered the 49ers, 
uh, covered the Warriors some as well, and then kind of made the 49ers my niche. I, I left KNBR, continued to tweet about them, did my own podcast, the Kevin Jones podcast, for a while. I just kind of looked around the landscape and said, wait a second, Light Years is out there. We could make a really good podcast with Ted Wynn, Fallon Smith, James Jones. And so we, we built this team uh, about a year ago now and, and just kept scaling the team. And so we're going to be up to 65 podcasts this week. It's been uh, amazing to bring all these creators together across the country. Uh, yeah, man, we're going to continue to scale. And it's fun running a business for me. I still obviously tweet about the 49ers some, but, uh, you know, behind the scenes trying to make this this thing a, a revenue machine and, and get more people excited, get more investors on board. Uh, yeah, you, as you guys know, it's been pretty fun so far. Yeah, definitely. Um, so let's pivot into the, uh, the Niners game today. Kevin, was this Kyle Shanahan's best game as 49ers head coach? I think so, because it was, it was a slam dunk, kind of. You know, uh, they posterized them a little bit. You know, they, they were able to really get something off their chest here, starting 2-0 for the first time during the Kyle Shanahan era. If they won the game, I think it still would have been great just to be 2-0, and but the fact that they steamrolled the team to have this much confidence. Um, and so, yeah, Kyle just really messed around with them all day, you know, starting early with the Marquise Goodwin stuff. All the screen passes all day long. You know, last week I was criticizing. I didn't really like them. Hey, they worked <laughs> with Debo Samuel, Matt Breida. Uh, they were getting the football to people in space. The thing is, these are inferior opponents, but they're still winning these football games. So, yeah, I mean, I, I predicted 8-8 eight eight at the beginning of the season. Right now, they're looking better than an 8-8 eight eight football team. Let's see them play better competition. Let's see how they replace Joe Staley. But, you know, if you're a Niners fan right now, you have to be pretty damn happy. Well, that's that's the Joe Staley thing is huge, right? Because he went out, it looks like with a broken fibula, it looks like he's going to be out for almost two months here. Kevin, like, what, what? How are they going to replace that? What are they going to do? And does this affect their playoff standing? Because Joe Staley's kind of been there for the last decade uh, and yeah, been it, by far their best old lineman. Yeah, you know, for sure. If they put a band aid there, and now left tackle is not a, a position of strength, they will miss the playoffs. So this is a huge decision. I think they're going to start off by putting Mike McGlinchey the right tackle and move him over to left. He's been amazing at right tackle, and he's way more of a run blocker. So this is a risky move. Yeah. Um, I think the second option is to do like a low risk trade, like trade a fifth round pick for someone who's proven oh. at the position. Um, you don't want to take on too much salary cap, but maybe a team who has a surplus of alignment, which is rare. You may have to throw in one of your D linemen. Throw in Dante Pettis? <laughs> or, yeah, I mean, you, you may have to throw in a player here. This is that important of a position. I put it out there. Trent Williams is holding out for the Redskins. He's their best player. I believe he's 30 or 31 years old. Hmm. But Shanahan's drafted him in 2010. He's been one of the best left tackles in the league. Joe Staley is not going to be here forever. So, I mean, this would be a crazy move to bring in Trent wow. Williams almost as Joe Staley's replacement. The NFL is a cutthroat thing. Like, you're talking about this team riding a 2-0 start, beating the Steelers, and, like, they could beat the Browns. You know, I'm not too scared of the Rams. This team could be setting themselves up to go 10-6 and if they get the right replacement at, at left tackle. So, uh, it's a huge roster decision. I think Kyle will be leading the decision-making here, but I expect them to start next week with Mike McGlinchey flipping it from right tackle to left. Interesting. Okay. Um, so, how, okay, let's talk about the uh, the rest of the offense because uh, watching that first half, I mean, the, the, the Niners scored 41. Last week they scored uh, 34, um, but a lot of that was defensive touchdowns. Garoppolo made a lot of throws that pretty much any quarterback can make, at least from my opinion, from the couch. Um, but how good does he look? Uh, is he good enough here? Will he be good enough, you think, uh, to carry the Niners at some point this season? Because he's going to have to. The stats were misleading today. It was like 297 yards, three touchdowns. Like It didn't feel like that because a lot of the plays were run after the catch. A lot of it was short stuff. Um, but they're winning football games with him on the field. They're now 8-2 and two under Jimmy Garoppolo. I think they're averaging now like close to 26 or 27 points every time he plays. So I agree. He doesn't look like he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. But he looks like he's like better than Kirk Cousins. Like he's like in the mid tier right now. You know what I'm saying? He's yeah. good enough to like yeah. to win games. Is he good enough to win big games in the playoffs? We'll have to see the rest of the season. But I agree with you. Like he he looked better this week. Not enough to put a, a crown over his head. Certain people look at stats on Twitter and get super excited. Like you really got to go back and look at the flow of the game. Kyle got both of the yards today. He really diced up. Cincinnati. So I'd like to see more from Jimmy G, but I'm, you know I'm happy with the performance. There's I don't want to be too critical of this football team. There's been four straight down years of just bad football. Like 
let's enjoy two and zero right now. This, like three and zero is actually realistic. Yeah. <laughs> let's uh, let, let so let's talk about happy things. How good I started the show because I was pumped, KJ. I, I was like I, I was on a high. I compared this D line to the New York Giants, the one that beat the undefeated Patriots. How good or how great do you think this D line could be? Because I, I think they can carry this team more than a quarterback can, more than Jimmy G can. I think everyone's a little surprised by it, but you know, you always put your tokens in there. Let's see how it works out. But you know, the first two weeks, the dividends are coming back. Eric Armstead too. I mean, I think the first drive, one of the first plays he was in on there, he had a key sack last week. Nick Bosa, I love how he's getting in the backfield. He's going low at the quarterback a lot. He got penalized for it once. I'd like to see him, you know, hit um, hit high. He's like getting to his knees a lot, but he's getting in the backfield a lot. He forward a little bit of a quieter game, but yeah, overall this unit you have, you have Ronald Blair, DJ Jones, everyone's cleaning up. The Bengals weren't able to do much. Andy Dalton was flushed out of the pocket. Um, you had Bosa set up that interception from uh, for Quan Alexander too. So um, yeah, great showing by the defensive line. Again, it's a week to week league. We can't crown anything yet, but I, if this team makes the playoffs, the D line is going to be a major reason why. In addition to the D line. Um... The secondary is a lot better through two weeks than I expected going into the season. Um, what are you seeing from Richard Sherman and Akilah Witherspoon and the DBs as a whole? Yeah, I mean, Sherman was going toe-for-toe toe, you know, with John Ross on a lot of the plays here. Of course, the Bengals moved the football some, but overall, look how much having a pass rush has helped this unit. I think safety is still kind of an issue back there. They've been bouncing around some players. Next week, you might get Mason Rudolph as well. Big Ben hurt his elbow. So you might be starting the season with Jameis Winston, uh, Andy Dalton, and now Mason Rudolph. So that's a very kind start. Because afterwards, you're going to get the Rams. You're going to get Baker. Later in the year, you're going to get Lamar Jackson, who looks amazing right now. It's going to get tougher for the secondary, but right now they are passing the test. I, I bashed them on my podcast all offseason. I did not think they would perform this well. <laughs> I, 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 I'm not ready to crown them yet at all, though. They're going to go through some turbulent times. Uh, Killer Weathers was not letting anyone down yet. Like, he's had a great start. This, this is his third year, so, um, you know, this is often the pivotal year you find out if the NFL player is good or bad, like, like Solomon Thomas. I mean, we knew before even this season that he's not it, but you can turn the corner here. If he does turn the corner, that would be huge for this team. KJ, how crazy is it that Dante Pettis is basically not playing for a guy that was a second-round pick, and he was really good last season, and he's essentially out of the lineup, and Debo looks great, Debo, Debo Samuel does, and then you've got, like, Richie yeah, I gonna, James. I was going to say, for as bad as the, yeah. the Pettis situation is, the the Debo one's the complete opposite. And with Pettis, there's always one weird roster thing that happens every year on every NFL team where it's shocking. Mm. I don't know what's going on. To me, it's a habits thing during the week. He must not be practicing hard, or he must not get, be getting things right in the film room because the talent is there. Yeah, uh, He's proved it before. So there's some type of disconnect. He's clearly in the doghouse, and I don't think it's just on Sundays. I think something's going on during the week in the building. Um, I don't know. It's bad if he if he's a miss. You're talking about Solomon Thomas and Miss, Dante Pettis and Miss, Ruben Foster and Miss. You're blowing so many early round assets here. It's great you can find them after he does. It's great you can find the undrafted guys. Yeah. If, if you're blowing assets like this, you're not going to be able to win the Super Bowl. Yeah. You're not going to be able to, to build an upper echelon team. You're always going to be relying on undrafted guys. Yeah. You've got to pray for Shanahan to kind of fix all of that stuff, too. He's the main guy making that decision, it seems like. And, and so I think that's if this team goes 6 and 10 this year, if like they come crashing down. From this, and which is realistic, seven and nine. I don't think it's you know we'll see, but he he could want to bring someone else in the building because I think he's doing too much film evaluating. I think that's really not his main strength. I think he's had to add a necessity because it's not John Lynch's strength either. John Lynch is more of a leader and and like can be he's like a team player and like that's what the 49ers needed after Trent Baalke. So I, I do think they need another set of eyes and. But we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. If everything pans out and Witherspoon's like this great player, like let's see this season. But if if they miss the playoffs, I could see that being the storyline going into the offseason. Yeah, I mean, Pet- voice into the front office. Pettis reminds me a little bit of what went on with Jordan Bell, uh, who was pretty talented with the Warriors. He's, he's Pettis is more talented. He's a higher draft pick, but really he was just in the doghouse pretty much his entire Warriors career, and and now he's in just Minnesota. A disconnect with the coach. Yep. Yeah. Dis- yeah. That's what it was. Um, yeah. All right. 
KJ, we'll get you out with one last one. Um, what do you think happens here uh, with the Niners the rest of the season? You think 16-0? and Yeah? <laughs> Sound about right? I think 10-6 and six max, but like that's improved from the 8-8 eight and eight that I predicted. It's really going to depend on health. It's really going to depend on other people stepping up besides Debo and George Kittle every week. Look at Raheem Mostert. If Kyle can develop a couple of new random stars, uh, the left tackle thing is going to be just absolutely – it's, it's going to change the season. If they solve it, they're going to be fine. If they don't, Jimmy G could be, you know, under fire a lot more. Now you're worrying about his health. So, I mean, this, this is the biggest thing going on in that building tonight. How are we solving left tackle? I'm, I'm certain that John Lynch and Kyle are on the phone talking to other teams. So, I, you know, if you're a Niners fan, you should be going to be happy. You should be enjoying this. This is awesome. This is the, you're, you're a decent NFL team right now. You have a, you have a future here. Not the Raiders. Uh, all right, Kevin. Uh, appreciate you coming on. BlueWiresPods.com. Um, Striking Gold Podcast. That's his pod. Um, like yours podcast, Sam. Our pod is part of the network. Oh, that one's terrible. Ugh, love it. Uh, KJ, love having you on, brother. I'll chat with you soon, man. See you guys in the office this week. <laughs> Take care. <laughs> Woo. What do you think? He's st- KJ's still pretty tempered there. Yeah. Getting him to ten wins is like anyone else projecting fourteen. <laughs> yeah, KJ wasn't a uh, he wasn't a, uh, a fan of the the Niners kind of off season. Uh, didn't really see the upside, which I agreed with. I mean, just didn't have much. They didn't really know what they were doing. But hey, apparently you don't need a safety when you've got a great D line. So I think you kind of brought this up a couple weeks ago. Yeah, it's. I mean, it, the way that they're officiating the NFL, like the only part of the game where you can be super physical is on the line. So if anything, it kind of inflates the importance of the D line in terms of building a great defense. Cause you can't play corner or safety like the way guys did 10, 15 years ago anymore. Yeah. 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 Unless um, you're, unless you're like Jalen Ramsey where you're just like ridiculously gifted and don't need to do that. It's pretty hard to be a high end, DB the way the NFL's officiated. Yeah, Jalen Ramsey shut down to DeAndre Hopkins today. Really bad for my fantasy team. Not great. Bad for mine, too. <laughs> um, should we go to the phones, Carl? Looks like we've got, yeah, Carl says yes. All right, we've got uh, Don on Don in Concord. Um, doesn't say what he wants to talk about, so we're going to take a risk here. Hey, Don, how's it going? Hey, everything's great, man. Shout out to my Cowboys. But I called about Garoppolo. We're going 10 wins this year, babe. This is our best uh, team we put on the field. We got it. Right. Yeah, there you go. Don, you there? Ah, oh, we lost Don. Um, Don, if you want to, if you want to call back, or if anyone else wants to call in, eight 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 nine five seven nine five seven zero, or you can text into the Chilton Auto Body text line nine five seven nine five. Shout out to the Cow Bears, he said. You a you, you a Berkeley fan? I mean. We both went to UC, so I'm going to favor Berkeley to uh, to the other local institution in the Pac-12. You, UC, but Dave. I don't really have a very strong um, kind of opinions on college sports yeah. in general. I don't. I feel like the, the Bay Area in general is not a very strong college sports market. <laughs> um, no, yeah, I, I went to UC San Diego, so great football team there. Really, yeah, exactly. really good D12. Football team. Um, all right. Well, we've got we've got a Berkeley guy coming in, and after the break here in a couple of minutes, Ethan Strauss. Um, he'll talk about he'll talk Warriors. Um, all right. So where do we where do we pivot from here? Because um, KJ seems like he's he's talking about the Niners making a trade uh, to get that to get another O lineman. Um, so I. At this point, you kind of do what you have to do. You get you trade draft picks, um, you trade players because I think this is kind of win now. Staley is out eight weeks, and they're saying eight weeks minimum. So what we're really talking about is is half the season, and the Niners will have played ten games before he can potentially come back. Um, I don't know. Do they like? Do they have the internal depth to be able to handle that? It's really hard. No, no one has. No one has like three. No one has three starting caliber tackles. Yeah, that's uh, it's it's like having a it's like having three or four. It's like having three starting caliber two way wings in the NBA. Who has that besides the Warriors in the last couple of years? Not anymore though. Um, but yeah, I mean it's yeah everyone wants it. It just doesn't exist. If there were that many good 
um, offensive tackles, they wouldn't be in such high demand. Yeah, exactly. It's like the Warriors are the Warriors want Robert Covington. Like that's a that's a coveted player for them. You know, he's in the trade talks for D'Angelo Russell. Essentially, is what people are saying, and only because of the facts. Not that he has high upside or that he's a great player. It's because he can play both sides on defense and offense. It's kind of that type of importance is the same on the O line. You can't you don't just find those guys. That's not how it works. So it looks like I think and Staley's thirty five. So I mean. He still plays at a pretty high level, but it's been kind of a question, you know, where are they going to go after him, right? At uh, some point, they have to address that. Yeah, uh, I guess McGlinchey or KJ was mentioning uh, Trent Williams. So, you know, we'll see. Uh, we've got guys that want to talk about Staley. Uh, so we got Larry in San Francisco. Larry, how's it going? Hey, man, I'm so excited for the win. You know, I, I'm telling you this way I look at it. I mean, that's, uh, I'm going to miss Joe Staley going down and all, but I think we're going to be fine, man. I just, I'm look, I'm looking at, uh, I'm looking at uh, Shanahan's play calling, and I'm like, this is the best play calling I've seen him do since he's been a Niner, you know? Absolutely. Thanks, Larry. Yeah, there, there's nothing. I mean, in terms of a guy that can scheme plays open, like Marquise Goodwin, that like 40 yard touchdown. You think you could have made that throw, Sam? I know you got a bad elbow, but. <laughs> Uh, maybe. <laughs> no, come on, man. <laughs> but that's the type of. I mean, Kevin made but a good you point. But you are you are right. Like for a pro to give a quarterback a wide receiver with no defender within ten yards of him, like you don't see that. You know, usually you're trying to get a guy like two yards of open space. He was just wide open. They had no clue what was going on. Yeah. Um. They, that's what you pay Kyle Shanahan for. Ooh. Headphones, Carl. They're just giving out on me. On me. <laughs> um, no, but well, are we having technical technical difficulties. difficulties yeah, Te- um, Light Years Podcast. Whatever. Um, I will say this about the um, the the Staley situation. So obviously he's not playing next week or the next eight weeks. But uh, Pittsburgh, not exactly a great defensive line. Um, so kind of a a decent. They might be able to just get through that game with a backup. Then they have a bye week. So what we're really talking about is like two weeks to figure it all out before they start getting into playing Cleveland, um, you know, the Panthers, and kind of getting into teams where they need substantially better offensive line play. Yeah, um, and the bye week is is a good week if you're going to trade for someone. That's a good week to read to to right. get someone acclimated to the team. Um, but some of the stuff that Shannon's drawn up. The, Jimmy G is not sitting in the pocket for that long either. Uh, a lot of these, well, that's what, but that's what you want. Yeah, I mean, you look at you look around the league. Like I'm watching Deshaun Watson just stand, stand, and stand. I don't care if they traded for the. Actually, they did trade for one of the better tackles in the league, but he's just standing in there nonstop, and it's that's how you get your quarterback. I mean, Andrew Luck just retired, Sam, because because an old line can't protect him, and he was hurt every single week. Um, so I think Shanahan, I mean, the last caller made, made a good point. I mean, Shanahan is kind of putting Jimmy Garoppolo in a, in a situation to where he almost can't fail unless the team's down by like a couple touchdowns. And, and I, I keep going back to this point. I mean, Car- Carson Wentz last year did not look good off an ACL tear. Most guys off of an ACL tear look rusty. So point. they really do need to kind of bring Jimmy along slow. It's also not like he has 10 years of starting experience where, you know, you can kind of trust him to figure it all out. Um, Just the run plays, play action, make it easy on him and slowly give him a bigger role as the weeks go on. Yeah, Um, that's a good point. You almost forget because there was almost no ACL talk this offseason about Garoppolo. Um, Well, it's and it's one of those things where, you know, you see a guy back, you you sometimes tend to forget, like just because they're back doesn't mean they're fully back in terms of how they feel about their body, their rhythm, uh, everything to do with actually performing at a professional level. Yeah, you make a good point, I think, in the in the first, I want to come back to this as we go to break. This is the most talented team, and this is probably the most complete game that they've played since Jim Harbaugh coached his team, since you know, Navarro Bowman and Patrick Willis, right? Those guys were, you know, going to be in the Hall of Fame. I mean, injury and kind of early They're retirement. They're Hall of Fame caliber players. Yeah. They, yeah. When they played, right? They they had a stacked defense, and, you know, Kaepernick was very good. It's better than Garoppolo has ever been, um, though Garoppolo probably has more upside. But uh, that team was stacked and talented. This team is, I think, 
I mean, the team had ten, probably ten Pro Bowlers or Alden Smith, eight eight to twelve guys who are in the hunt to be on an All NFL or a Pro Bowl roster at the end just, of the year. Yeah, just an incredible uh, uh, allotment of talent, uh, both on offense and defense. It is crazy how Joe Staley is, is the only player left uh, from that from that era. Um, that le- the league turns over very fast. Yeah. Yeah, very fast. Just look at Dante Pettis. Um, all right, we're gonna head to break here. We've got, we've got. Actually, let's get let's get one call before we head to break here. Uh, well, Sam wants this guy. Sam wants this guy. Stephen right. in Concord. Stephen, how's it going? Uh, you know, it's going pretty good, man. Hey, I just want to talk about you know, hey, man, the Raiders, man. I was at the game tonight, and today, you know, it was. You're gonna have to call back, uh, Stephen. Turn off your radio when you call back. Um, We'll get you on the other side. Uh, we got to go to break after this. Sam, Sam is harsh with the callers. I love it. Um, <laughs> uh, we're, we've got Ethan coming out after a break. We're going to talk Warriors. We're going to talk Niners, Raiders. I think he wants to talk A's too. Is that, how, is that how we could lead in? All right. We'll see you on the other side. Warriors World Radio with Andy Liu and Sam Esfendiari. Warriors World Radio continues on 95.7 The Game. Here's Andy Liu and Sam Esfandiari. Kit Cuddy, should we get me? Should we get me rapping on the on the next segment? No, nah. Producers are saying no. They've had me sing before. Had me do oh, some I'm beat aware. drops. Yeah, they no rapping though. Not a fan. Um, they don't want to be kicked off the air yet. Uh, Andy Lou, Samus, Fendiari, Warriors World Radio. We spent the last like 45 minutes talking Niners. I've had enough. We got to go back to our bread and butter, Sam. We're doing Warriors. Oh, I thought you were going to say Oakland A's. Ah, eesh, eesh. I do know a couple of A's players. Congratulations. Yeah, I do know. You guys are good, right? Are you guys? You guys the over A's 500? are very good. Okay. Are you kidding me? Are over five. <laughs> Just. Go, go in the bathroom. I'll handle this interview myself. <laughs> Ethan Strauss. He is on with us. Ethan, I think we're here to talk Warriors, but we'll see. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing well. I'm down to talk A's, man. I don't care. I don't care if people don't care. I, I see it. If I'm just going by Twitter, which we all know isn't the most representative place, but still, if I if I tweet A's, people don't even get mad at me for tweeting. There's just no, there's no response. It's like I'm shouting into a well. It's basically... It's basically me and Sam tweeting back and forth is what happens when I tweet about the A's. Yeah, so should the A's should the A's start Lazardo in the wild card game? Is that where we're at? Is this the riveting think, conversation we should have? I, I think that is you know what, that is interesting, just throwing a young guy out there in a high leverage moment because he's the most talented guy. That is interesting. I, I don't anticipate Bob Melvin doing the most interesting thing. I think I think Manaya, I think that's the one that makes the most sense to me. But I want to see it. Roll the dice. Why not? Listen, it's Saturday night. Football game's on, Ethan. It's not Saturday. Sorry, it's Sunday night. It's Look, it's been a long weekend. Every day is Saturday night when you're Andy Lewis. <laughs> also I true. I you on Instagram now. It's crazy. It's like, I can't even relate to the life you're living as a boring dad. I, I just, I'm, I'm so jealous. I'm so jealous. I have such resentment. For what you will see if all of you follow Andy Lou on Instagram, <laughs> and is having an we, we can't get too many people game. following, or he might actually start being somewhat self conscious of what he puts out. See that the that's internet. that's the good thing. Ethan gets the unfiltered, well, relatively unfiltered uh, content because my my Instagram's on private. So when Ethan first followed mm. me, I was like, yeah, yeah. So I so some some people follow me that are just I don't know them, and so I'm like, okay, I, I can't I can't allow that. Um, <laughs> because there's just, I just don't, I don't need all the eyes on it, but Ethan, I'm glad you enjoy the content. That's what I'm here for. Um, yeah, I just assume you live in Las Vegas now. That's my assumption. <laughs> I'm going broke, man. I'm never going back. I've had enough. <laughs> you should just start getting to the A's, leave your Giants, start following their triple A team out in Vegas. It's your second home anyway. Go do it. <laughs> uh, the, uh, the, the, it is sad though that, that the A's are this good. I legitly didn't know. Sam reminds me every other day that they're like, what, 10 games over 500 or something? Is that right? 30. Ah. Yeah, 90 and 60. 90 and 60. Wow. 
I can't even tell if Andy's serious right now. <laughs> it's, this is this is how deep of a troll he's become. Like it's very plausible he's unaware that the A's are this good, or he could just be trying to annoy me. <laughs> anyway, we should probably talk some I'll, Warriors. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. That's that's what the people want. That's what they're still into. For now, we'll see how fickle they are, depending on what happens this season in San Francisco. But there's still a tremendous amount of interest in the Warriors. True. So uh, Sean Livingston formally announced his retirement this week. Um, are we ever going to see another player like Sean Livingston? And I mean that from the standpoint, literally his game is what the entire NBA is trending away from. When he retired this week, I'm like, ah, I don't really think we'll see another 6'8 point guard who just wants to do post fadeaways all day. Yeah, I don't think we will. I mean, there are some models of player who were great in their era who I enjoyed a lot. I think there was a recent 30 for 30 on Dennis Rodman. I don't think we will see another Dennis Rodman anytime soon. Um, even a guy like Charles Oakley, who could hit a shot but was from mid-range, I don't think you'll see that anytime soon. But what was great about about Livingston wasn't just the idiosyncrasy, uh, syncrasy that's not going to be there anymore. It was also just and here's also how he was unusual. Um, and maybe this will get at some of the issues that Sam likes to talk about. He actually was some of the cliches that have now fallen out of fashion when we call guys humble and unassuming and blue-collar in their approach. He was, he was actually those things. You know, I would try to write after the game. I would try to come to people for quotes, and he would always say, no, no, not me. It's the other guys. Not, not me. And you would be helpful. You would offer commentary and insight. It wasn't just his way of trying to get out of doing things. He was really into other people getting the credit and really into the idea of just showing up and doing his job well. And he didn't seem to be motivated so much by ego. You know, I remember asking him before this season, how do you preserve the meaning of winning? And Sean said, by losing. I lost so much early in my career. I remember being in garbage time when the team is just getting killed by 40. That I, that I don't I don't take this for granted. And that in of itself might be unusual. It might be of a bygone era, uh, era because so many guys have their brains pickled by social media now. Wow. <laughs> Maybe that's the case. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a great point. I mean, Ethan, speaking of Eagle and being uh, influenced by social media, uh, Kevin Durant had a piece that came out <laughs> <laughs> in the Wall Street Journal this week. Um he said he never felt part of the team. Uh, Ethan, your thoughts? That's on him, man. I, I mean, look, I, I think we can be somewhat sympathetic um, and we can understand that it would be very difficult to be in his position. And if you are of a certain constitution to be analyzed all over the place, I know when there was that moment where he went at me. And it's not, it's not comfortable to be in the news cycle. It's not comfortable to watch people on television debating about how good you are at your job. And so I can sympathize with how it can throw people off kilter. And I don't think we need to make it out to be that he was uh, like a bad guy or anything like that. But at a certain point, it just can't, it has to stop being everybody else's fault. That's my thing. It, it, it can't just be everybody else's fault. Um, and you have agency. He certainly had agency. He certainly could have acted in such a way that he would have been considered more a part of the team by fans, who I do think actually considered him part of the team. That's the other thing. I didn't see this mass movement. I didn't interpret Steph better, whoever came up with that divisive slogan, I don't know. But I didn't even <laughs> see that necessarily as being about Kevin Durant. So I just look at it as a scenario where he's not a bad guy. He did a great job when he was here. He's an amazing player, but we don't necessarily have to validate the bellyache. That's my take anyway. So so it seems to me he just couldn't get over all the assumptions. You know, he 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 jumped on the seventy three one Warriors team and, you know, all just all the stuff you see on social media, which really shouldn't matter. Um, do you think by going to Brooklyn, kind of a different type of situation, it's kind of honestly like what LeBron has done with his last three teams where he tries to kind of like buddy up with someone and create his own team. Do you think that'll lead him to to be more satisfied or now? Well, I would ask a question. What was the most interesting thing about that Wall Street Journal article? 
What was it? Um, he to me it was he couldn't stop talking about uh, OKC still, but I that might no. not have been. I know that's what takes. was aggregated. I know that's what was aggregated. But to me, that wasn't interesting because I mean he's been expressing that uh, for four he, years. He yeah. Coded ways, but for a while. In my opinion, the most interesting aspect of that whole article was that he's talking in the present tense when he's talking about the Warriors. <laughs> That's what was interesting to me. What's interesting to me is he hasn't even had a press conference announcing that he has joined this team and this big move to the Brooklyn Nets. Wow. I, I don't know what's going on with that, but it already seems from the outset that this isn't so hunky-dory, that this isn't so happy-go-lucky. So, you know, reach your own conclusions. I can't look into the future. I don't know how the Nets are going to build around him. I don't know how he's going to recover from the Achilles tear. I don't know what pieces are going to be added uh, or how Kyrie Irving is going to act. I can't tell you that. All I can tell you is he's already talking about the Warriors in the present tense, and he hasn't even really joined any celebration of joining that particular team. It's pretty weird. Classic that's, KD. That's my assessment. That's my assessment. <laughs> um, by the way, breaking news from Ethan Strauss on uh, 95.7 The Game says Kevin Durant is going to be a warrior again. Uh, that, that, that's what we're going to aggregate, Ethan. Thank you, sir. Um, all right. <laughs> uh, D'Angelo Russell is the uh, – I actually haven't even seen you giving your thoughts on this at all, so I'm very curious because uh, he's pretty much the guy that they essentially got for Kevin Durant. And, you know, they lose Iguodala. They lose Livingston now. Um, but, I, I mean, personally, I think it's a great move. It's upside. you got to go with it. You can't just run the same stuff back and pray. What are your thoughts on the fit? Do you think he can be an all-star in the West? I mean, Sam came up with like a, a C.J. McCollum comp, which I thought was, was nice. I mean, what do you think about all of this? It's funny. Um, I think it was the risk they had to take, but that doesn't mean that I'm so confident that the, uh, the risk works out. I think this was the position they were in. They had to get a big chip back. They had to get somebody that they can exchange at the very least uh, for a max contract level player. And a lot of GMs are intrigued by his youth and his talent. And so that could be a possibility down the road. So I understand the move. At the same time, my reservations are, are, are the following. Uh, it's not just that how does he fit when Clay comes back because he's not really an off-the-ball player um, or necessarily a premier defensive player. I mean, I think that there's... I think that there's, there's more there in the sense that how many superstars or how many all-stars, let's say legit all-stars, is it West all-stars, not East all-stars, West all-stars, um, lack an elite skill, an elite NBA-level skill, right? What is, what is Daniel Russell's elite skill? What is the thing? If you say C.J. McCollum, I would say he is an elite shooter um, and mid-range shooter, especially off the dribble. I, I don't know if you could say that about Russell. I don't know if you could say hmm. that he is a top-five passer. He's definitely not a top-five shooter. He's a good shooter. You know, he's a good shooter. He's not a great shooter. Um, so I think the lack of that is what would give me pause in saying that he is going to become a West-level all-star. What do you guys think? So you're, you're, you're basically saying he's like a B-minus at everything. So, like, he's a good player, but, like, nothing – no standout skill like, you know, Steph's shooting, for example. Yeah, usually that's how you can build your way to, to stardom in the NBA is you have this one thing and you build counters on top of it, and I'm not sure what the counters he, that he's going to build would be. I just don't, oh. I don't know. I mean, the other side of the argument is just that he's very young. Uh, he had a good season last season. He is coachable despite whatever reservations people might have. Uh, based on character and the whole Iggy Azalea thing. But, you know, I've heard that he's very coachable. So that's the argument you're making if you're saying that he is going to blossom into an all-star. But to me, the concern is where is the elite level skill? That would be the, that, that would be the concern that I would have been. What's Damian Lillard's elite level skill? Shooting. Rap, rapping? Oh, sorry. So, why, so why, doesn't he, why doesn't he shoot a higher percentage than D'Angelo Russell? Um, I mean, I've really gone into the numbers. And, <laughs> bad shots, the probably. And the deep, and, and, and the deep threes, yeah. and if he's taking bad shots. I mean, Damian Lillard is a better shooter than D'Angelo Russell. Um, I'm pretty <laughs> confident in saying that. I'm not sure what the exact shooting percentage statistics are, but it's really an indicator is uh, free throw percentage, oddly enough. I mean, huh. that correlates fairly well to being an elite shooter. I don't think Russell's ever been... Out of the seventies, has he been? I don't think he's been. No, you're you're right on that one, and, and Dame's pretty much always at about ninety percent. 
I yeah, think that's usually an indicator. I, I think maybe the decision making can get there. I don't know about elite, but I mean, Steve Kerr has said, you know, a few times that he may run that offense around him and a little bit of more pick and roll. So this leads to kind of uh, you wrote an article and, and kind of going over, you know, what Steve Kerr has learned this offseason. He loves Greg Popovich. He loves him more than. Warriors fans love Steph Curry, I think. Um, and it looks like he's trying to learn some new stuff and maybe implement a system because he can't run the same thing again that he has the last few years and expect it to work. So how much do you expect it to change? Do you really think that they're going to run more pick and roll this season that they have before? I think they're going to run more pick and roll. Um, but there's a lot of devil in those details. And maybe I should have mentioned more of that in the article, but people do this. Run, pick, and roll. Okay, but there's a lot that happens in a pick and roll. There are a lot of different looks during the pick and roll. So when he's out there in China watching these these other teams, I mean, he might be picking up some fancy stuff. I mean, a lot of teams, the Rockets, for instance, they love Spain pick and roll, where there's an additional screener for the guy setting the screen when he rolls, for instance, and that took the league by storm fairly recently. So I think that Kerr, when he's out there, he's trying to pick up some new tricks and perhaps add something uh, of structure to the pick and roll. I don't think it's Steve Kerr's preference to just roll the ball out there and just do, I don't know, one five pick and roll, uh, have at it. I think that uh, I think that he wants to add some things. That's part of what this trip is all about. That is my preference, Ethan, for him to just give the ball to Steph. <laughs> you just pull the ball out? You just like kind of pick up ball style? That's what you're looking for? We're getting Steph an MVP, okay? That's what we're doing this season. <laughs> <laughs> An MVP or on the on the injured list. Yeah, that is true. You gotta take the pressure off it, of, right? True. It can't just be a Russell Westbrook season all about the numbers, right? <laughs> That's a good point. Aren't aren't we beyond that, Andy? Do we? Aren't we beyond that? Um, Ethan, I've talked with you about this in the past. Uh, I just wanted you to kind of uh, give your thoughts on why you think NBA ratings continue to go down. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 